When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of the In The Paint Show, episode 128. Ani Umana, Chelsea Hopkins, and Ronnie Flores here. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, Ronnie. Feeling good. Ready to talk some basketball. I, I'm doing good. You know, Monday. I like that we start shows on Monday now. Yeah, yeah. I had a chance when I said I had to go uh, real quick before we started. I went and got some coffee. I, I got my energy up, so I'm good to go. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. coffee every day, Ani. So I'm Bro. right with you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You guys are early birds. You guys are early birds. I know that. I know that. And uh, Chelsea, want to ask you a question? Like, as a pro athlete, uh, you know, recovery time. You, your season ended. You've been in back home maybe three weeks, two, three weeks. Like, do you really take some time off? Or, or like, is your body already, you know, I got to work out, I got to go do something basketball-related? Or do you really give you, like, a week off or 10 days that you do nothing basketball-related? I actually – I do take a couple weeks off, at least from basketball. Sure. Like, you know, I have the body of a old lady, so I can't do nothing because, like, my body will, like, totally, like, shut down, and then it takes so long to, like, get up and going again. So I take a little break from the pounding and at least the basketball aspect of it. Um, I've probably done basketball workouts maybe twice since I've been home. Um, but I definitely do the strength and conditioning part, um, cardio. Like, so I do light, like, you know, weightlifting and stuff like that um, sure. pretty frequently, like a couple of <laughs> times a week. Um, and then obviously as the summer rolls on, then I start ramping it up, um, especially as it gets closer to the fall and I get ready to leave again. So, yeah, you get you ramp it up. That makes sense. Ani, how about you, man? You've been playing basketball, uh, you know, like basketball these days. I I run I run like a few men's leagues. Uh, you yeah, know, Ani. Yeah, like you know, I still got a little bit, you know, you know, and and but now I'm starting to run again, like you know, on the treadmill stuff. Cardio. I'm doing, yeah, yeah, I'm doing cardio because like yo, I'll be done with like three minutes. I tell them like subbing something out three four minutes, you know, because I'm more like a bully. Like a, like a I call myself like a bully wing when I play, so like after all that contact and going up and all that, I'm like I uh, I gotta get Worn out. out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, don't don't even ask me if I play because I how <laughs> about the ass? I said <laughs> you get like no way. I would have to get the cardio going and then play 21 and then maybe play half court. Like, <laughs> you know, like full court, no way. Because, you know, again, when you guys get a certain age, like, you buddies, I had a buddy this happened to, you know, he liked basketball a bit, but, he, you know, he, again, he's one of these guys, he thinks he's Kobe Bryant when he's playing, man, he's not a player, you know, right. so you know how it is your certain age, and you think, oh, then somebody gets mad, or you get competitive, sure enough, dude, he tore his Achilles about eight years ago, maybe we were like 35, 36. Wow. I see how much weight he gained, I was like, uh-uh, I didn't try to do no, that. Yeah. That's, that's why, like, I used to like I'm not young no more, so like I used to just not stretch and just go hoop. 
Ooh. And like, and now it's like, oh, yo, I, I need about 15 minutes. Like, I'm doing like high knees and butt kicks and everything before I go out and hoop. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it makes it like discourages me from playing more because I'm like, damn, I, this used this, this used to not be how it is. I used to just roll to practice. Like, All right, let's go. You yeah, know, I, I still play and I feel your pain on that. Like when I'm about to play a legit game, I have to do like 45 minutes of legit warm up, like band yeah. work, all kinds of stretching, like for me to even be able to <laughs> just play full speed. And it's funny right. that you guys talk about like playing in men's leagues and stuff like that. I really don't think I'm going to play basketball when I retire. Like I yeah. cannot see myself playing. Any- My body has taken so much of a beating that I, for one, I know that once I stop playing, I'm not going to be able to get up to play again one but two it's just like my body has just had enough like as long as i can watch and be involved i think my basketball days are be over when i really hang them up so i can definitely yeah. see why you would be done with it like you know yeah. as long as you have like shit, i'll be yeah. <laughs> you've been getting paid so it's like right. yeah. that's true. <laughs> i did all this other get paid like you know she'd be getting paid so that's funny so talking about getting paid, let's do. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna jump in a few different topics. But when when NIL passed last July, name, image, and likeness for NCAA athletes uh, or NCAA institutions, like so many people weren't. We tried it. We went on many episodes, at least two that I can recall, with with really credible guests talking about what it meant, talking about its origins, and and people still think. Oh, the kids are going to get paid now. I haven't seen so many tweets. We've seen them. Oh, kids can get paid now. And that really wasn't what it was about. It was about uh, kids having the opportunity to make money using uh, things that they own, just like any other student, just like a chemist would or, uh, you know, a scientist or a English major, just the same basic rights and freedoms. But now we have a situation with the transfer portal. And with NIL, like, it's all, in essence, turning into being advocate for pay-for-play. We have a situation where a, a good player, one of the better players in the tournament, Isaiah Wong from Miami, he has signed with an agency, and he had an NIL deal at the University of Miami, which is a big university in the ACC, is well-known. And they got a transfer student, and a billionaire in the Miami area has led – the hurricanes initiatives and to get him to transfer over he has a 400k per year uh nil deal plus a car so isaiah oh. is like obviously when he made his statement he doesn't have he's not getting paid through his nil deal that much mm-hmm. so he's basically said well i'm gonna transfer unless my nil deals changed and people are up in arms well, what you know people are like this this is not with intention the coaches are like well, where we don't, our hands are tied. We don't know where to go with this. We don't know what is legal and what is not, or what is by the rules and what is not. What's your guys' reaction uh, to Isaiah Wong's situation and just to what NIL has quickly morphed into? You got it, Ani. All right. Yeah. I mean, I saw this coming, especially when guys got to sign with agents for NIL deals. It's just exclusively. You knew it was going to get uh, tricky. And then, like, I think I don't think coaches can actually like. They can't tell them like, "Hey, we're going to give you X amount, or we're going to give you this deal." So, yeah. you know, obviously that has to come from someone else. But we, I mean, Ronnie, you know how this game is. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, it just it's just one of those things where you know when you open up 
the ability for players to make money off the name, image, and likeness. You're going to get stuff like this, especially for them to be able to hire agents, you know, to to facilitate deals. I mean, because the reality is most of the time, those kids' agents for NIL is going to be their agents if they go pro mm-hmm. or whatever. So now as a coach and as administration, you're dealing with agents. I mean, we're not talking about like petty agents. We're talking about guys like Rock Nation or, yeah. or you know, Clutch, Clutch, Clutch. Some, like, I mean, players that are dealing with NBA contracts. So you know, it's is it wild? Yeah, but it just you they open this can of worms. So I mean, you gotta right. you know you gotta deal with it. Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of that point, Ani, um, yeah, they opened the door for it. I, for one, am a fan of, you know, players being compensated because I've seen how much the universities, you know, take advantage of that aspect when, you know, they're making money off the players. Um, I would like to see some type of regulation. I mean, I don't really know, like, how. I don't really know how you can get it done. But I just think, like, now that you have the whole transfer portal and, like, you know, players have this big incentive to go to another school because they can make so much money. Like, I think if they can regulate the portal a little bit more, um, right. I think it will help with the NIL because right now it's just free reign for anybody to transfer anywhere, no matter how many times you've done it. And there's no consequence or no repercussion. So it's like, why not? Like, even right. if I enjoyed whatever school I started with and I'm playing and everything's great, if this school is going to give me more money and you, like, why wouldn't I go? You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with kids um right. all different type of demographics different backgrounds where they come from like you don't know what somebody's going through and what may be their reason for you know wanting to take money or maybe even needing money so i think the biggest thing and where they can kind of slow it down is they need to regulate the portal um i am all for i was a transfer myself so i am all for players having the ability to leave but now i'm seeing players who play 30 minutes shoot all the shots and they're on their fourth transfer so they're not leaving because they don't play. Like you do play, you play, you shoot, you, you do anything that you want to do. So there's obviously some other reason that you're leaving. And and I think it's money. So I would like to see the kids be able to capitalize off of their likeliness because if they don't do it, the, the university certainly will. They're going to have right. Isaiah Wong's jersey in the um, you know student Hope store, so. selling that, doing all the right. stuff that they do. So they're making money. So I think that there should be a right to it. But you know, we got to kind of get the portal under control. Uh, last time I heard, what, 1,500, Ronnie? Something like, like some crazy amount of students. Like, there's only so many D1 schools yeah. and so many scholarships. Yeah. So I, I would like to see some type of regulation there. Hey, you can transfer twice, maximum. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's it, right. Like, and, yeah, like, there has to be some type of parameters um, but the kids have to be able to make money. I'm totally a fan of that. And the kids have to be able to transfer because the coaches will transfer to another school if they get a right. pay raise or a better opportunity. So I, I see the need for it, but it, it's it's totally kind of out of hand now. Yeah, even though they even say it's a one-time transfer rule, like guys get their waiver. Like mm-hmm. guys that transfer multiple times, they, they're getting their waiver cleared. You know, obviously it's probably because that school is doing, you know, for whatever case, but you know, waivers getting cleared. I agree. Like the transfer portal needs to be under a better reg- regulation. I mean, you talk about from the transfer portal, from these high school kids, you know, even though they're not recruiting them as much, it's all about like when these coaches ask me, like, how much NIL do I need to offer? I mean, yeah. that's, that's just straight up what they ask is like, yeah. how much NIL? Like, you know, what let's, let's not even talk about style of play. Let's not talk about, you know, how what, how coach can help them. 
mm-hmm. is what is the price range for the NIL? Yeah, or, or just even reinstate the if you transfer, you have to sit out rule. That will discourage right. a lot of people. So, yes, you still can transfer. But like when I was a transfer, I started at Duke. I played there two years. I decided to transfer to San Diego State. I had to sit out a season. And sure. for me, I was injured, so it didn't matter. Like, that was actually a blessing right. in disguise because I needed to get healthy to be able to play. But, you know, even that rule will change people's minds in terms of having to go somewhere and not be able to play for a season. So right. they they have to put some, some rules kind of back in place. Um, I don't really know the answer, but something's got to give because it's just too much. Yeah, it, it is too much, too fast. And, and But like you guys said, you're, you guys are pro student. I'm pro student, obviously. Um, I have no qualms about what's going on because the NCAA had many, many, many years to get, uh, as you mentioned, regulations or some kind of uh, rules. And now the law is over superseding them. They can't do anything now because yeah, it's too late. The people who are uh, the people who backed NIL and who, who were advocates for it, and I know a couple of them personally, they it's a 20 year process and it took them 20 years to get to this point. And, mm-hmm. and all the NCAA had to do 20 years ago was saying, okay, we can see where this is coming. The public knows how much money this tournament is making and not just the tournament, the bowl games and, and, and other things that are funding uh, college sports or their college athletic departments. And they simply chose greed. That's why I have right. <laughs> like we've talked about it before. You guys know I'll, I'll t- I could talk about magic and bird all day long. So obviously that that tournament game uh, was the most watched game ever. And then people realized the tournament was going to expand. And people said, wow, this is great TV. So the TV, uh, by 1981, the the March Madness kind of was here. Like Mm -hmm. games on a lot of, you know, a lot of games televised on the weekend. Obviously the tournament expanded and you were able to add non-conference champions and eventually went to 64, I think in 1985. The year Villanova beat Georgetown is the year expanded to what we currently have. And the money was already in play. That's 35 years ago. 1981 is 40 years ago. So you've had the money's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and bigger. But like the athletes are in the same boat, <laughs> having to make deals, you know, having to cut things on the side and on, right. the, on the black market, whatever, instead of. <laughs> and you could have controlled it completely mm-hmm. starting. Nobody. Now, people would have been a little appalled like 25 years ago maybe less like 15 years ago, especially mm-hmm. after like high school games were starting to be on TV. Like LeBron came through. By the time LeBron came through high school, people are like high school athletes are quasi celebrities. They're going to mm-hmm. make money. Mm-hmm. There was no problem with it. By the time LeBron came, he was gonna, a millionaire the day after the state tournament. He was a millionaire. <laughs> like he signed his tops deal, like probably the minute after the state final, mm-hmm. like he was making money. So, I feel no, nobody feels any sorry for them. I know you guys don't. So you're trying to, you can't take state laws. And people were mentioning that Isaiah Wong, they're like, I'm not even sure what he's doing is legal. I, I saw some some people mentioning some stuff and not even that. It's crazy. Isaiah Wong technically doesn't even have to play for Miami and his NIL deal still has to be. <laughs> That's what's crazy about all this. Right. Like, the players don't have to play. There's no regulations that says maybe they do it in their, each individual one, you don't. If Chelsea gets hurt playing for San Diego State, they still are on the hook, mm-hmm. and nobody's not going to pay it because that agency will never get another client. Right. Mm-hmm. They had. They're going to pay it out, and it would. The, the only person that would be in trouble is if the 
the uh, client didn't pay. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, the client that they're working with, like if the uh, company didn't pay out the client, which is right. which is the student athlete, they'd be in trouble. But the, there's no regulation of the athletes having to play a certain amount of games, having to do anything. So, I you said like the it's Pandora's box is open. Um, I, I don't know. Do you guys have? I know you we've been talking about it, but do you have any short term solution, or do you just think this is going to play out and as time goes on, like the ecosystem is going to correct itself? And it'll be a little bit more normal in four to five years. Or do you guys think this is just changing college sports completely? Uh, I, I I just think it's just, it's going to change college sports completely. I mean, it's going to keep being the wild, wild west. I mean, people thought the black market of people throwing bags under the table and all that was wild. I mean, this 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 is even more nuts than that. <laughs> you know, I mean, just when you there's so many conversations I've had with people about the money <laughs> that the coaches are throwing. Like, even I had coaches that asked me, like, Ani, I don't even know what the price tag is, like, for, for, for like, a top one, 100 to 150 kid or this, that, and the third. Like, I'm just trying to know. I don't see it getting any better. Uh, I think the only thing you can do is you kind of made, made the point, Ronnie, it's like these kids that sign, if you have a deal, those deals need to be like, you need to play X amount of games. I think there needs to be like, right. if you transfer, then you're, you know, the contract is, 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 is done, you know, and we'll take the car away or, you know, yeah. something like, like you said, these kids don't like Isaiah Wong doesn't have to play at Miami and his, his NIL deals are still there. He still they're has. Valid. To yeah. They're still, still valid. valid. They're and not. so I think you got to put more pressure on the agents. I think when you do that, as far as the contract is now put more pressure on the agents, like, hey, I want to make sure that I, instead of me having to play the 25 games to get my, my guaranteed money, like I want to play 15. I mean, that's probably where it'll go next. It's just more contract negotiations, which mm -hmm. is crazy because now we're just treating them like pros at the college level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think that's the only way you can semi-regulate it, but you're still going to deal with it's the wild, wild west, man. I mean, when, when we start talking about bringing in agents to negotiate deals and, you know, holding out players for playing and stuff like that. I mean, that stuff's not going to change. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not going to change that four or five years. It's going to keep happening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, do you feel the same or do you think something's going to break or something's going to, some moment's going to change this? Obviously every movement has a moment where it changes, but or do you feel like, no, this is, they can't, the, the bag, you know, the rabbit's out of the bag. I mean, it's hard to say. I kind of agree with Ani. Like, all it takes is one time for, you know, like the Miami situation where his NIL deal is going to stand no matter what. Like, the contracts are definitely going to be um, more direct, you know, have definitely some type of regulations and stuff like that. And and I see there being some type of change because just with any, like, governing body, like, they're, they're going to figure out a way to kind of put some parameters on what's happening. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how much they'll be able to control, but I just look at the NCAA um, entity is just like our, our governing body, like our <laughs> government, like they're going to, something happens and then they're like, okay, now, now we're going to put this law in place. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So I don't know right. how, I don't know how much ability they have. Um, the contract stuff will certainly change because it's like now that it, we're dealing with money, it's just like being in the real world it has nothing to do with basketball. Like right. if you have a contract, there's going to be fulfillment requirements. So I definitely can see that probably happening um, very soon. But th they'll figure out some way to kind of get it under control. Um, 
I don't know to what extent. And, you know, the players are going to get their money and it's going to be some players going to the highest bidder and, you know, but they're going to they're going to figure it out in a couple of years, at least how to just make it manageable. Um, They definitely can't change it. Um, So and I think it's still fresh because like even like the price range, like you just don't like there's a lot of unknown as far as what. X player will get if he goes, you know, if, if, if he, what's, what's, what's the amount of money I'll get off a deal. If you're 50th in the country or you're a transfer from a high, man. like, you know, the numbers are just so you don't, yeah. you don't know yet. So mm-hmm. I think we're more, maybe more the stability is like, okay, after you have a couple years where you've seen where the market is, yeah, like this good. kid can expect to get this much. This kid can expect to get that much right now is just more. So you don't know. Like, I mean, the kid can say, I, I need 600, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, yeah. right. It, and it just like, you know, you don't know if that's too much or not or a little, but um, all for it. I, I just think it's just it's going to take time. You need years of kind of seeing what the price is actually is for the I don't I hate to say like, you know, it's just like it's yeah. weird when I say the price for a kid. But like, you know, once yeah. you see what the market is. You know, sure. for a kid at this level or that level or transfer from this level going down here, what does that look like? Then you maybe you'll have a little bit more stability and especially just, you know, talking contracts, more tighter uh, contract, like, you know, with guaranteed money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You'll have more stability, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of points on what you said, Ani. Um, you know, there's when you have. Uh, like a, a market value, there is no market value because it's been on the underground, right? So mm-hmm. we hear these numbers. We've heard these. I've heard these numbers since I was a kid. Like, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I'll tell you guys. There's a player who went to uh, he went, he went to the University of Illinois, and at the time, and this was in the late '80s. At the time, every good player in Chicago was going to DePaul or Illinois, mm-hmm. and everybody knew Illinois was paying. So it was like he wanted to go to Syracuse. He wanted to go to Syracuse and he went to Illinois and, you know, it was over, it was over 30 K, you know, so 30 K in 1987, 1988, whatever, that's a lot of money now or whatever it is. Right. And he wasn't enjoying it. And it's crazy. He played at Illinois for three or four years, you know, and he never really wanted to go there. He wanted to play for Jim Beheim at Syracuse. So like you hear these numbers and that's happened many times before. Like you don't know how many times, Careers have could have been ruined, like where kids just went to school that really didn't want to go there, mm-hmm. right. but the third party was paid or their parents or somebody. You know, you hear these stories, oh, many over the years. But you, like you said, you heard a base in the underground, like what kids get paid. And then obviously the situation with DeAndre Ayton in Arizona, mm-hmm. we heard a tangible number. It's like a hundred k. So when I hear the thing that didn't make sense to me, a whole thing that didn't make sense to me was. DeAndre Ayton is is quote, supposedly there's a is a real number out there, 100 k right? Regardless of whether he got it or not, doesn't matter to me. I'm just right. saying it's a number. Like, and I'm the first thing I thought, Ani, the first thing I thought, Chelsea Raza said, somebody's overpaying Brian Bowen. Like, because right. <laughs> he's nowhere near DeAndre Ayton. Like, so it's to your point, there's mm-hmm. no market. If I go to Phoenix, why is the Big Mac? $27.99. And when I go to Chicago, the Big Mac is $72. Mm-hmm. When I go to Seattle, the Big Mac is $54.99. There's no regulation. Mm-hmm. Right. We just have numbers. So here's the thing I think about it, and I'll bring it to the bigger point is the guys who were arrested and now have 
federal charges on their record. Like you have a federal charge. It's not like they have a weed charge on their record, even like a 18 month, you know, bid they did for, oh God, I was dealing drugs or something like they got federal charges, mm-hmm. right. you know? And like, how do they feel now that money's just being thrown around three or four years later? Like, and again, it's not the same cause that's pay for play, but we're in essence getting to a point where this is pay for play yeah. or lack of a better term. You know what I mean? So like, I feel really bad for those guys. And a couple of them are my friends. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Chelsea, you know, one of them, Tony Bland. He's like, yeah, friend of mine. Like, his Good whole guy. life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, his mm-hmm. whole life's changed. Right. But now, two or three years, we're talking about similar things. And the thing that I always thought when I heard some of this stuff, like, did you guys watch the scheme on Showtime about Christian Dawkins? Yes. Yeah. I didn't watch it. Okay. Well, like, when you hear these things, you hear the phone calls. Sean Miller's on a phone call. Will mm-hmm. Wade's on a phone call. And here's what I'm thinking. Like, I got college A and I got college B, right? I'm going to college A or I'm going to college B. I'm going to tell Ani, who's at college B, and I'm going to tell Chelsea is at college A. I really want to go to college A, where Chelsea's at. But I'm telling college B, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling, uh, I'm sorry, I'm telling Chelsea, hey, Ani is uh, offering me the deals mm-hmm. 100K. Mm-hmm. Ani never offered me 100K. You <laughs> give me 120. Because mm-hmm. that's what I want. That's what this is all has been. How many of these numbers we hear are just fake? Unless it's right. really changed. Oh, you know, uh, this school's offering this kid 75. Oh, this kid's offering them 100. You got to have 110. Like, how many of that went on over the years where it's just, bullshit numbers to drive up the price mm-hmm. like i mean that, All that's, the time. yeah i mean how do we really know that uh you know how does chelsea really know that ani offered him she's not going to call him up and go hey did, yeah did you guys do that? <laughs> i just checked it did you guys really do that like probably not you know so that's where i don't understand so it's, it's the same thing with nil i think that at some point the market's going to correct itself and we're not going to be paying 62 dollars for a big mac Mm-hmm. Like you said, Ani, uh, certain players are going to – DeAndre Ayton to me is worth 100 k but mm-hmm. there's not certain players that ain't worth the $10,000. Like, mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> so I don't know what you guys think about it. I just think the market's going to correct itself eventually because we're going to have data to what the players are being paid through their NIL deals. We have no data right now. Or mm-hmm. since July, we have no data. It's just right. all talk. It's just all talk. So – you know, on, on that note, I mean, we could spend a lot of time on that, but I do think, like you guys said, there will be some kind of something will change, but there's it's going to be the wild, wild west, on like you said, for for a little while. You know, so it, it's a it's a crazy situation, and and when we talk about that, uh, Chelsea wanted to jump base, and you kind of mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, like you thought the Phoenix Suns. I think we all kind of agree we thought the Phoenix Suns were in the driver's seat before the NBA, and then me and Ani were talking last week, and we were like. She was like, injuries, the big part of Phoenix is healthy. They're going to do it. Like the whole NBA is just on the mass unit now. Like what's your take right now on the, we're all seeing the conference semifinals. What's your take to what you've seen so far and what do you think going forward? Well, first and foremost, I jinxed my boy, Chris Paul, because I am truly rooting for this man to get his first championship. And every single time something happens and I told you, like sometimes it doesn't even happen to him. It's just a key teammate. Or yeah. somebody that goes down. So, you know, yeah. they had to play without Devin Booker. He did come back the last game. Um, yeah. Wasn't quite himself, you know, rusty after, you know, what, nine or ten days off. 
Um, but now you're just seeing a trend in the league, like with people going out with injuries. You have Joel Embiid, uh, orbital eye fracture, whatever he mm. has. Um, Chris Middleton, what, sprained MCL or something uh-huh. like that. Luckily, none of these injuries are, you know, maybe ha- putting them out for the rest of the season, like season ending. Yeah. But it can definitely change a series. Like, you know, Philly is going to play Miami Heat, number one seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid expected to be out the first two games. Right. Like, like that's huge. Like, so when he does come back and, you know, there's five games left and they have to win four, like, it just changes the odds, like, dr- dramatically to, to have something like that happen. Now, when I look at Boston and Milwaukee, um, you know, the championship experience, uh, them being in that situation – um, you know, I feel like just gives the team sometimes a mental edge to get over the hump. Um, you know, Boston, you know, kind of got past Brooklyn uh, pretty easily. Um, and I thought that they came out kind of flat the other day, uh, missed a lot of shots. Um, so I think that that series will ultimately be more competitive. Um, I don't really know when Chris Middleton's coming back, but I just think that some teams are more equipped to play with players going down. Um, you know, you look at Golden State, um, Draymond Green got ejected, which he, you know, can do um, on many occasions, but, you know, they have the championship pedigree. They have Steph Curry as their leader and they're able to, you know, withstand somebody not playing. They played a good chunk of the season without Clay Thompson. You know, I think Draymond is the emotional leader of the team for sure. Um, But, you know, he went down and they were still able to get a win, you know, on Memphis's home court. So I think that, you know, injuries are kind of part of the game. I always say too, like I've won championships overseas, like, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. It's the team that can stay healthy. Um, you know, the team that can click and come together at the right time. Um, and ultimately those are the teams that end up winning. But I think that the teams that have done it before, you know, have the best chance. So that's why I'm kind of worried about Philly, um, Memphis. They're just too young to me. I can't really see them getting past Golden State. I think they'll win a game or two because they just play really hard. But, you know, I think that experience ultimately is what makes the difference. So, I'm hoping Chris Paul and, and those boys can get it together because now that, you know, LeBron and my Lakers are out, um, that's kind of who I'm rooting for. So we'll see. Sure. Bonnie, what do you kind of take? Um, like a co- question for you is, and I kind of mentioned why I like Milwaukee out of the West when we did our NBA preview, like ain't nobody guarding Giannis. I don't care about his skill. <laughs> no. I don't care about his, like he's too he's. Who's, who can match up with him? Wait, wait, but Ronnie, wait, real quick. I hate when people talk about Giannis's skill level. Going to the basket and dunking and euroing every time, that is a skill. It's, a skill. it's wow. still scoring. Like, people think, like, because he doesn't score like KD at every single level and shoot the three and stuff like that. Scoring is scoring. He has the ability to bull in a china shop, go yeah. into the to the paint and dunk every single time. And yeah. it, it doesn't matter how you do it, he gets it done. So, to me, that is very much skill. And he's a top, yeah. if not, he's arguably the best player in the NBA too. Like you have he's to look at him. He's the best player in the NBA when it matters. The, absolutely, I think you know, like maybe Embiid's there, right there again. He's he has his his injury or whatever. But when it matters, that's why I kind of like I think Milwaukee will come out of the East because I'm even looking at you, Boston. Like who's gonna guard there that guy? <laughs> like we know DeAndre Ayton's gonna have to play much better against him if they get there. Like right. yeah, absolutely, and yeah. people so people talk about. Yeah. You know what Giannis can't do, yeah. But there's a lot of people who can't do the things that Giannis could do. Yeah, he, he, he he's going to get 30 points and and yeah. 12 rebounds and six assists just 
playing the way that he plays. I don't care if he airballs a free throw and two yeah. threes. That's going to happen too, but yeah. he's still dominant. Like, and, and we, the, have, we have the, to stop that. And the yeah. way he scored on that Boston defense, who did a hell of a job on KD. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are wondering, you know, is K- was Brooklyn that talented? Like, you know, like how he they abused Boston made yeah. people wonder, like, was Brooklyn even good? Like, were they were like, or were they that? You know what I mean? Like, they were kind of like taking back from what Boston did to Brooklyn by how Giannis and Milwaukee did to Boston. You know, in Game right. One. So it just tells you how good Giannis is. I mean, that Boston defense is no joke. You know, they they they've been giving hell all season, and the way he just scored and got what he wanted, and he had a triple double. He made it look easy. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, we're not talking so about easy. a defensive group and you know kind of going back with Chelsea you got Kyle Lowry who's out the first game uh mm-hmm. in Miami you um in the east it, I just you know Ronnie you said and I, I just think it's Milwaukee mm-hmm. um yeah. just you know to, I mean they have to mess it up the way they defend offensively they you know they got guys that make shots from the perimeter they got Giannis who to me is the best player in the NBA mm-hmm. especially when it matters and just like just seeing how they made Boston look like so mediocre. And I know it was game one, but it's like for me and, and ML duck is a really good coach, but it's like, what, like, I don't see it changing too much. I could be wrong. I mean, when they go to Boston, you know, or it, it, it Boston have the home court advantage or just Milwaukee. Boston does. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you lost in Boston already. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I see him maybe win a game or two, but it's going to be tough. I just think Milwaukee just – you said it, Chelsea, championship pedigree, and I think there's just – Boston can defend anybody in the NBA that's currently in the playoff. Like, they can defend anybody in the NBA, and I just think – but you can't – you don't have – no one has anybody to guard Giannis, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> – <laughs> and that's the difference at the end of the day. We have someone to contain y'all, but y'all have nothing that contain our best I'll, player. I was trying to tell you guys. That's why I thought Giannis <laughs> – that's a player of the year just because again i want that dude behind me like i feel more empowered like and um, and, and what about uh george hill yeah. Ani, i was looking on the bench the other day and i forgot he was on the team yeah. i legitimately forgot he was on the yeah. team and he's coming back too yeah like they have pieces they have a very good team like i mean and and i told you that's the one team that i don't want the suns to match up with i feel like they lose if they if they have to somebody has to take Giannis out before it gets to the real finals because I don't know if the Suns can beat them like I just don't yeah I, I don't I don't know I just think Milwaukee's too much you're right about George Hill I mean George Hill's a quality player and yeah. a guard that defends and makes threes <laughs> you know just shit man I yeah mean, I mean it changes real fast when Boston looked really good about a week ago they're like man they're looking really good I just like you like you said I think the Nets just yeah, there's too much drama. There's too much focus on oh, the two best skilled one-two combo of all time. Relax, everybody. Right. Needs to relax. Yeah, but like it's just, said, it's just style of play. play. Yeah, like right. guys, the season has an opening and and takes it. And I think I think what yeah. Milwaukee did to Boston shows how far away Brooklyn really was. I agree. Even if they would have got maybe past Boston, like yeah. Milwaukee was just gonna have a field day. They would have got swept it in that series, if anything. Sure. So, sure. no. So, two two more points, and we'll, we'll we'll move on. Is like you mentioned, we'll we'll talk a bit as it happens. Like Chris Paul, you mentioned it, Chelsea. You're following them. Like 
the the, the discourse about his career is a lot going to come down to this year and this postseason. How many more chances does he have after this year? I, I don't know. You know, but he's playing really well. Is, is that fair or not? And then the second thing, I think, Chelsea, you mentioned this on social media. Like, what are the Warriors going to do with Jordan Poole? Like, he's playing so well. Are they going to try to make a trade for somebody else? Do they keep him? I mean, can they really make that evaluation this quick? Like, we're going to keep this kid? Or is he just having a playoff run for the ages and it's a fluke? Like, what do you guys think? Chelsea, what do you think? Or it's like, they're going to have to really consider, do we want to get rid of one of the veterans and keep him? Ronnie, he's 22. You have to keep him. I, I don't care. Like, yeah. I love Clay Thompson to death, yeah. and I'm not even saying, and yeah. I, I did put on my social media is yeah. Jordan Poole making Clay Thompson expendable. Um, you know, but yeah. they have Clay, they have Wiggins. Wiggins yeah. is 27. Yeah. Like, if I'm looking to be a dynasty for a very long time, Golden yeah. State is in the perfect position to keep their young core. They okay. keep 22 year old Jordan Poole, they keep 20 year old, 19 year old Jonathan Kaminga. Mm -hmm. 20-year-old yeah. Moses Moody, 27-year-old Andrew Wiggins, and Steph yeah. Curry, the greatest shooter of all time, doesn't matter what age he is, you just keep him there because he's just Steph. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I just can't see it. Like, I, I think Clay is exceptional, but he's 32. He's had multiple injuries in the last several years. I, I think from a loyalty standpoint that Golden State would have a hard time getting rid of him. But from a business standpoint, Jordan Poole offensively right now is better. That's a fact. Yeah. Now, <laughs> defensively, Jordan Poole needs to, you know, move those puppies a little better and put more effort. I, I don't really see the effort on that end. I don't feel like he can't because yeah. he is a great athlete. He can sure. really jump. He can really run. You see him get the ball and go coast to coast all the time. Like, he has the the the, phys the physical attributes to be a, a good defender in this league. He's long. Like, you know, he's built kind of like – he's a little bit shorter. But, like, uh, Mikel Bridges – long athletic wiry like he has the build to to be a good defender right now he's just like i'm a scoring machine and you can't stop me so hey i'm just gonna you know go down and shoot a three he's not really as engaged defensively um as i think he will be but you know that that comes with just being young and that comes with being a teammate of draymond green like how many times is draymond going to say Pool, you need to guard your man. Like, we're not, you know, we're not here for you to just have 30 points. I think that that aspect of his game is going to come maybe um, next year or or the year after. But I just think from a business standpoint, somebody's got to go, and I'm not getting rid of these young people. Can't get rid of Draymond because Draymond's the one who is going to put everybody in their place because he doesn't sure. care. He's going to check Steph Curry. He's going to check Clay. He's going to check Poole. He's going to check Steve Kerr if he feels like Steve is <laughs> doing what he's supposed to do. Um, so you can't really let him go. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm just getting the vibe that Clay is the odd man out. So well, yes. I don't know. That happens. And if they continue to play well. Chelsea, uh, Ana, you feel the same way or do you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think you got to keep Jordan Poole. He's a max contract guy. Uh yeah, yeah, awesome. he's a man. That's he's awesome a for him, but that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, it is. But I mean, you just look at him. Like even during the season, it's just like the like, stuff that he does. It, yeah. it reminds me similar of James Harden when he was with the Thunder, when you had uh, Westbrook, uh, him, and Durant, and they kept Serge Ibaka uh, over him. I think you know it's it's a little bit easier of a decision. Even though back then, Serge, people thought he was going to be a multi-time All-Star. So I, I get it. I don't get it, but I get it, right? Sure. Uh, but Clay Thompson's, you know, he's he's older. Jordan Poole is a better offensive player than him. Like Chelsea said, defensively, he's horrible. I mean, John Morant just 
killed him. <laughs> like just they just found whoever he was guarding. His man set a pick and went right at him yesterday. Uh, but you know, really talented scores it. Kaminga, I think he can kind of mold it. Obviously, I'm not calling him, I don't think he's gonna be that's Clay Thompson, but a guy that can defend and I think he has some upside as a shot creator. I think you let Clay Thompson go, you're going to see what Jonathan Kaminga can become. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, you drafted him what number five. I mean, give him that chance. You know what I mean? So I think definitely you you should let Clay go. Uh you got Poole, Kaminga. And you, I mean, those two guys got a chance to be multi-time all-stars. I mean, if Jordan Poole has a chance of being a superstar if he actually commits himself a little bit more on the defensive end. Sure. I mean, he turned. He's been one of my favorite players throughout the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know that. That's why I'm just like, man, he's he's a max contract guy. Yeah. Um, and, wow. and 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 Clay to me really isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, when you talk about regular season next year, I mean, Clay, you're lucky to get 50 games out of him. You know, this is yeah. <laughs> how everything's going, where at least, you know, you're going to get majority of games with pool and it's going to allow Steph not to have to do so much during the regular season yeah. when you can like him and uh, Andrew Wiggins and Kaminga kind of, you know, picking up the load. So I, I'm with Chelsea. You got to you got to let go of Clay and you got to let Jordan Poole, you know, kind of make that coming to his own, coming to his own and make that rise. And also Kaminga as well. I mean, you got Wiseman. You you, yes, you know, I mean, Wiseman. yeah, Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman, who I think they probably he'll probably be gone. <laughs> uh, you think so? I think they gotta keep him. Ani's a ruthless GM. They have to keep him. Ani, he's they have no bigs. I'm sorry, Kevon Looney. Like no, I think they're Wiseman. gonna have to wait like two three years to get something out of him. Just, just I mean, let him just let him go. Okay, but have you, have you seen Moody though? Listen, Moses Moody, like I know a lot of people don't know him because he doesn't play that much. And every now and then he's getting called up from the G League, you know, two minutes here. If you watch him play in the G League, he scores 30 points so easily and so smooth. And I know it's the G League, but I look at this kid and I'm like, he he's going to. He's going to be very good. Oh, oh Moses! Get the chance. I, I love Moses. Moses, Moses is a helpful player. I, you know, I I keep him. Kaminga pull. Let go, of Wiseman. You yeah, know, yeah, get get, well. get, <laughs> get rid of get rid of Wiseman and Clay. Then you'll be good to go. You can yeah. you can sign a free agent big that can just you know block a couple shots and shoot a three. I mean, that's what the NBA yeah. is, anyways. Yeah, that's true. Very interesting. So, quick rundown before we change gears. Just so you, our listeners kind of obviously they're following it themselves. But the Bucks are up one though. 76ers and Heat are opening up as, as we shoot this pod. Warriors are up one zero, and Mavs and Phoenix are also opening up. So speaking of, of Clay, he's one of our um these are Cal High Sports. I work with Cal High Sports for, for, for many years now. And he's one of our state players of the year in his division. It was division three at the time, 2008. Chelsea didn't believe that's your class. Play uh, was terrific in the state championship game. He going up against your boy Chase Tapley, uh, Chelsea. It was a terrific game. Sacramento High versus Santa Margarita, and we're like, this guy is really, really good. Meaning Clay, mm-hmm. they he had about 37, 41, and Chase had about thirty six. I mean, it was just back and forth. Chase was really good. You can see maybe Chase was already a little bit more of the player he. Was in college then, mm-hmm. or it's more like Clay. Like this kid could be really good later. A little more length, little you know, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Chase was more like inside. He can score. He can do a lot of things. He was, you know, at for his high school, he had to do a lot of things. And, you know, we're talking about All-State. We just need, released our All-State team, and that's one guy I remember. And that's just a great year in California. And we're going to talk with our guest, Mark Tennis. He's the co-founder of Cal High Sports, and he's obviously my good friend and, and somebody I've worked with for a long time. And he started Cal High Sports in 1979. And every year we've been naming an all-state team. And we're going to talk to him about this year's team a little bit and some about some of his, you know, all-state teams he's picked in the past for California. And obviously California is a huge state. So we have usually have great players, but sometimes we don't. They say average classes, great classes. But 08 is probably one of our best, if not the best, since the all-state team's been named. Um, 1975 is supposed to be California's greatest class. Again, that's before, a little bit right before he started the all-state teams in real time. Um, in 1975, it was Bill Cartwright, who was like a great high school player. David Greenwood and Roy Hamilton were like NBA players. It was just had a lot of size, a lot of great players at each position. And that year they actually had, you guys will laugh at this, the California team, USA Basketball put together, the USA Basketball Developmental League put together a two games, California versus the rest of the country. And really? all-star games. Wow. And, Mark was there. One was the Sacramento Auditorium or Sac- some arena in Sacramento. One was in L.A. I got to, you know, pat our guys. We won. We, we won both games against the legit uh-huh. national teams. Yeah, it was uh, Kyle Macy who played in the NBA. I think uh, Bill, Bill Willoughby, maybe even Daryl Dawkins played in it for the national team. But uh, up until, like, we've had some other great classes. But the 2008 class was great. Uh, I was funny when we were watching some of these NBA playoff games, I, I recalled DeMar played, obviously, really good this year. DeMar DeRozan, he's 2008. Drew Holiday, who ended up being Mr. Basketball that year. They played twice that year. Um, they played at a local tournament here in Southern California, and then they played down as Torrey Pines in the big San Diego Torrey Pines Holiday Classic. And and the numbers were similar. I, I, I went over the numbers. I treated them out. I, I, I remember taking vivid stats, and it was so funny at the time because uh, Ani uh, – DeMar played for Dinos for a while, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holiday played for the Pumps. And at that summer, uh, DeMar wanted to play for the P. Miller All-Stars because he wanted to play with Romeo, mm-hmm. right? So he played at the P for the P. Miller All-Stars. And we were like, wow, that's a big move because DeMar's brother, Jermaine, was helping Dinos on his team. And Jermaine was just like, screw it. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> 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 Yo, I can see this. <laughs> I can see this. They're playing over at Reebok, and and the P. Miller All Stars are playing at the main event at Spring Valley High School in Vegas. You know, so Master P's and just enjoying it, and they didn't play very well. They didn't play very well at all. The P. Miller All Stars, right? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Jennings goes, guys. We don't need Demar. We got this. We're gonna we're gonna do good, right? And sure enough, Brandon led him to the to the Reebok Summer Championship title. And the year before, Brandon had played for SoCal All-Stars for Pat Barrett's team, and they won that event. So, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's funny because Drew was the state player of the year, and you see Drew going up against DeMar here in these playoffs, and it's really cool to see. But Brandon was the national player of the year, and he's from Southern California. So, like, we could have had Brandon too, like, but we lost. He was at Oak Hill. You know, he was at Oak Hill at that time, so. You know, Brand, just just to chime in really quick, Ronnie, Brandon Jennings was one of the best high school players I've ever seen. Like, oh, I know that yeah. that may be a stretch, but yeah. 
hey, I, I, you know, I'm only going on 32, so I haven't been alive forever. But yeah. in my time, yeah, and just 2008 coming out of high school and stuff like that, like he was the best player I ever saw. And I, I'm a Vegas native, so I've seen a lot of players like pass through Vegas. But sure. just what he did when he came into Vegas, the gym was jam packed. He put on a show, and it yeah. it was must see TV. Like it was incredible. Oh yeah, he was that good. Uh, just the confidence he had, I would agree with you because again, so California All Stars didn't lose all summer the year before. They had Renardo Sidney, mm-hmm. Taylor King, who was our 2007 Mister Basketball. We'll talk a little bit about that. They had um, uh, who else was on the team? Boy, uh, Malik Story. Really good, great team. They just had every – and they had Kevin Love, who's like a National Player of the Year type in, in the middle with Renardo. So very awesome, fun stuff to think about as these guys are now in the prime or kind of in their twilight of their of their career. I know DeMar's playing better than ever. So he's like, I'm so happy for him. You know, he got traded from Toronto over to, you know, to San Antonio and then got moved again. And it, it, he lost his dad not too long ago, and mm-hmm. he's just talked about that stuff a lot. And, and those guys – you know, Clay, you're just like, we put him on the All-American team. Now, you're the only ones that do it. We're like, this guy's going to be really good, mm-hmm. you know. And that that class is kind of like a watershed class. And and we've had some picks that are great. And we've had some picks that are not so great. So let me, let me go over this year's team. First team, while well, we wait for Mark to uh, join us as our guest. Uh, first team overall, we have 10 players. So we do it in 10-10-10. You can check it out at CalHighSports.com. We have it by CIF division. We have underclass team. We spend a lot of time doing it. We really enjoy it. First team is Amari Bailey, who's going to UCLA. Miles mm-hmm. um, Bird, San Diego State bound from Lincoln of Stockton. Kind of like a do-it-all player. He's, his team is not the strongest team. So he has to play inside, but he's a, a lefty guard. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. But he has to play for it on his team. State player of the year is Donovan Dent, going to – New Mexico, Ani, I know you like him. We've talked about him before. Uh, Donovan Den is kind of a surprise, Mr. Basketball. I mean, you don't, you, you know, usually our, our Mr. Basketball is top, like a top 10 player. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about Drew Holiday. You talk about, um, you know, Tyson Chandler, you, that level player. But, like, Donovan really deserved it. He played terrific. Joseph Hunter going to Fresno State. San Joaquin Memorial in Fresno. He's staying home. Keat, who's going to UC Santa Barbara. He's a really great get for UC Santa Barbara. Queen Lutheran High School, uh, 6'9 forward. He can do a little bit of everything. Aiden Mahaney, Campolindo, Moraga. He's staying home, um, going to St. Mary's. He also played with Randy Bennett's son, Kate Bennett, at Campolindo. Mm. They were one game away from the state final in the top division. Um, Jared McCain, who a lot of you guys know about, followers, Corona Centennial, plays with Donovan Dent. Jared McCain, I, I I don't know, Ani, maybe you know, this guy supposedly has like millions of followers on TikTok. Uh, I, yes. I, 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 Jared's been a guest on our on our pod before. He's a great person now, but he, he'll rip your heart out. Jared really plays hard, and he really helped that team. That was one of the best teams. Jamari Phillips, the only sophomore, 224 uh, from Modesto Christian on the first 10. R.J. Smith from Damian Laverne led his team to the D1 state title. He's going to Colorado. And rounding out the top 10 is Dusty Stromer, who just committed to Gonzaga recently in the last 48 to 72 hours. Talented forward. Uh, he was considering Arizona, Houston, or UCLA, and he, he chose Gonzaga. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's it's that group is a good group. Again, will it be the 08 group, you know, where you have five or six guys in the NBA? 
And we're going to talk about some of the guys from <laughs> Audie's like, oh, God. <laughs> you just never know. You just never know because oh, on those two OA team where we're going to talk to Mark Tennis about, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about how we got to those picks. So let me, let me bring in Mark now. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? Hi guys. Hey Mark. How's it going? Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. Can Great. you hear me? Yep. Good. Yep. We just rattled off the top 10 uh, players on our overall all state team this year. Um, and Ani was uh, kind of, uh, you know, giving this the business a little bit saying there's probably not going to be as many pros on that 2018 that we, that we picked then in real time. We were talking a little bit because of the NBA plus, you know, Drew's guarding DeMar and who's going to be the state player of the year is going to be Drew and DeMar. And I was like, Mark, they're going to play, you know, at, at ocean view head ahead. So, it kind of figured itself out. So just tell the listeners a little bit, um, you know, the basis of the All-State team, uh, obviously you like to to watch as many games as possible, but, you know, how did how is it that it's production-based and how does that favor you over just picking it off of where the guys are going to college or and or, like, how big of a name they are recruiting-wise? Um, it, it has always been based, I would say, more than 50% on what a, what a player does in high school as opposed to what they do later on or what they're supposed to do, where they projected or what they did in the summer. And even sure. going back into the early 80s when we started doing these type of teams, um, it was based more on high school than on college. Sure. And it's always been very difficult um, when you get down to the last few picks. And sure. I, w- I would say, you know, it definitely is more high school than 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 college potential. And it's that way in all sports, not just basketball. It's that way for yeah. baseball. It's that way for football. And, you know, when you get right down to it, you're going to pick the best players sure. for that particular season. You have injuries that weigh into it. Maybe they missed some time. Um, team success is very important to all state honors and should be important. You know, the players on the top team should get the honors. Um, that's always been a key factor, even going back to the old, to the early days. Yeah. You know, this year's team, again, do you, do you, is it, we've had a lot of NBA players win Mr. Basketball and, and people know that honor obviously it's the top honor in the state. Is it, do you, do you think it's cool when a guy like Donovan, Dan, his situation, we started on JV you know, started as a sophomore, and then he really come on, and he really deserves it. Obviously, Amari Bailey missed some games this year. He wanted as a junior, and and you know, Amari could project to be an NBA player, and it would be not a surprise if he does it. You know, it wouldn't be surprised if he was on an NBA roster one day. But do you, does it really for you? Does it bring something to you and 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 what you've done over the years when a guy like Donovan Dent earns the honor fair and square on the court? Sure, of course. Um, you know, he definitely deserved it. Um, I mean, you could argue that McCain on the same team maybe should have been the guy. Um, yeah. but, but we sort of already had that debate, you know, right after the state finals. We thought Donovan was going to be their number one guy off the number one team. Sure. Um, and that's kind of, you know, kind of went from there. And, yes, it definitely is good when it's a player who is an obvious it's also good when it's um, a, a player who's maybe not as highly regarded as some of the other guys, and you never know how they're going to develop later on. Um, kids, kids all develop at different stages, mm-hmm. and right. um, you know he's going to New Mexico. It's not splashy, and 
and uh, it's not a blue blood type of college, but it's still solid and he's a great player. And, and yeah, you definitely have to look for those kind of kids and you can't deny them when they're the, then that when they should be the choice, they have to be the choice. Sure. For, for this year, uh, one of the players on this year's team stood out to Chelsea because she's a San Diego state alum, you know, uh, Chelsea, why, why don't you ask Mark about that? And- yeah. Mark, Mark, talk to me about miles bird. Um, yeah. you know, I'm a San Diego state Aztec, um, good i have a good relationship with uh, brian dutcher you know the current coach mm-hmm. and i'm just always rooting for them and you know my guys came up short in the tournament you know i ani i told you i thought san diego state might get the the early upset in the first round um yeah just talk to me about miles and how you think um you know ronnie said he was a little bit of a utility player kind of somebody who can do it all which i kind of think fits you know the san diego state prototype um just kind of talk to me about what you think he brings to the table and and how, how he's going to fit in in college well, Miles is kind of interesting because he goes to school uh, here in Stockton, where I am, Lincoln of Stockton. And, and okay. in fact, Lincoln is where my son went to high school. Uh, Lincoln is probably the second or third closest school physically to where I'm located. Okay. And when Miles was coming up as a sophomore, I thought, boy, it's going to be fun to see him play a bunch of times over at Lincoln down the street, basically. And I know his father's Calvin Bird who is a player we covered in high school way back in the day. And Calvin was a senior when Jason Kidd was a freshman at St. Joseph in Alameda. And it's just a nice history. And, boy, it's going to be fun to see uh, Miles play a bunch of times. Well, unfortunately, as you know, there was things that happened in the last few years that prevented going to games. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually never really got a chance to see him play um until right at the end of this season when they had a home game against modesto christian okay. and lincoln has a hard time beating modesto christian and saint mary's of stockton generally historically in their history um but this particular night um miles played very well all around and they beat him and they beat modesto christian who would have known modesto christian would have ended up in the state finals yeah. and giving centennial a run for their lives in the state finals um, but Lincoln won that game. Miles had a great season. He was player of the year in the league. He does pretty much everything. I mean, he, he'll go in and get the rebounds on that team. He was a leader. Um, you could tell that Modesto Christian was focusing their defense on stopping him, but he still found ways to score. He shot, made a couple threes. He showed he could shoot a little bit from mid-range game. He's a tough defender, um, gets the rebounds, does the dirty work, um, can pretty as you said i don't utility is can always have a negative connotation you don't do anything really well but in his case he does a lot of things very very well and it'll be interesting to see if he does become more of a perimeter player in college with his size mm-hmm. and i think he can um i think he's got a good good enough first step quickness and he can do a lot of things on the outside where he will become a more of a swing perimeter player in college and if he does, then I think his his potential will be, uh, uh, you know, very high at San Diego State. Nice, good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We talked a little bit before you came on, Mark, about you know some of the tough picks and 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 honestly, Drew and, and Demar kind of just figured itself out because it figured itself out on the court. And and Drew was the pick, and I think he was the Gatorade National Player of the Year. And they both gone on to great careers. And Demar's had probably his best career, what, his 12th, 11th or 12th season. Right. Why don't you talk about that 08 class? We talked a little bit about Clay Thompson and 
Chase Tapley, Mark, and and then also mention uh, kind of like the sleeper on that class in that group who's gone on to be have a great NBA career because Ani doesn't think when he when I rattled off this year's group, like, I don't think there's many future pros in this group. <laughs> older ones, you know. So talk about the 08 group and then the guy who's kind of elevated himself from that time. Um, the 08 group. Let's see. I mean, yeah, you have the 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 big names with Demar Derozan, Clay Thompson, um, and some of the others, Jeru Holiday. But you know, you also had some good players like uh, I remember Jordan Hamilton was very good. Larry Drew yeah. was very good from Taft, who's now coaching, uh, doing a lot in coaching. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the Larry Drew that, that's coaching. Um, and then it was kind of an interesting group because. Um, that was the year that wasn't that the year McClymans was undefeated, or was that not the year McClymans was undefeated? I can't remember. Um, that but, was the year they went into the state final undefeated. Yep. Yeah, but then then of course you had guys. You know, on the third team you had you had uh, you had Damian Lillard, who was one of the last guys picked mm-hmm. on that particular team. Yeah, um, you always try to mix the younger players in there. Like Jeremy Tyler of San Diego was a sophomore at the time. I know we tried to mix him in there. Um, and you know the the difficult part is is when you have a player like uh, Oliver McNally from Branson of Ross that particular year. They won a bunch of state titles in lower divisions. Yeah. And in those days, you didn't have competitive equity. So when you won a, a state title in Division Four, Division Five, it means a lot more than it, it does now. Yeah. And you know you got a player like that who's an Ivy League type player, won a couple of state titles. What do you do with a player like that? That's always been a, a tough call. You know, because yeah. you you have someone who's winning multiple state titles, and maybe he's not the big time star, but you're, you're talking about 30 players on an all state team, and that's somebody who probably belongs, and that's mm-hmm. always been somebody we look for to belong. Someone like Oliver McNally, which was on the the 2008 team. Jeff Withy, the center from Horizon, remember him very well. Yeah, he was on the 2008 team. Later played at Kansas. He was mm-hmm. very good. So I mean, th- that was a very good team top to bottom and it had a nice mix of of uh of uh you know younger players and which we always try to do we we, we don't it's senior oriented but you always have your underclassmen you're trying to squeeze on there as well so it's it's like a it's like putting together a puzzle is probably the best way to describe doing the all-state teams and you have to have all your pieces out in front of you and and some of the pieces are pretty obvious and easy to put in there but those last few slots those last few pieces of the puzzle those are the hard ones to to sort of make everything fit sure talk about um mark the hard hard picks this year and then um you know just one or two and then talk a little bit about if you recall you know uh some of those ones in the past the hard picks this year um, well, you know, when you get into talking publicly about hard picks, and then people know who didn't make it. That was close. But, but, but the way it works now is we have all state teams by division. So you have players that maybe are not, not on the all state first 30, but they're, they're all state for division two, they're all state for division three. Um, and yes, there's competitive equity now. So sometimes those, there's a big difference between division one and division two. It's a huge difference. I mean, in the Southern section, for example, you have 32 teams that are all doing competitive equity and the 32nd team in division one in the Southern section is a very good team and they're getting beat in the first round and their players are gone and their teams are gone, but you have to consider their players that they might have. So those are the ones that I think can be, 
some of the more some of the more difficult ones, you know, where you know where where to put them. Um, and, and you get. Uh, let me think of an, of a good example of this year. Of the as you mentioned, the, the closest decisions. I'd say, I'd say one of the closer decisions we had this year was was regarding the players at Clovis West down in Fresno, because mm-hmm. they had um, Isaac Martinez, a very good junior, who was um, did very well in the tournaments in the preseason. I think he was MVP of the uh, Tarkanian Classic. Yeah, and they were a very good team all season long. They were they were the top open division team in the central section. And then they also had a, a very good senior named Tyus uh, Parrish Tillman, and he had come back from a knee injury. So um, if you looked at it early in the season, Martinez would be their kind of be their guy uh, for the early part of the season. But, but the senior who came back from the knee injury is such a great story. The local honors for, went to him instead of the junior. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you've got, Martinez on the junior team, you've got Tillman on, and we didn't pick either one of them for the top 30, but sure. either one of them maybe could have been in the top 30. So th- those are, those are examples of where it gets really tough at the end. We could have picked either one of them. We ended up picking neither one, but both of them are picked somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. Martinez yeah. is on the junior team and, 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 and Tyus is on the, uh, the, uh, the division one slash open team. So there's a spot for them. It's not like they're not completely, you know, get nothing. Sure. How about in the past, you know, who are some really tough uh, kind of calls or decisions you had to make? Um, the ones, the ones I remember the most are the, are like when it's the third or fourth best player on a really good team. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, I think I was thinking about it like long beach poly 1984, um, cause they had a spectacular team and they had like Chris Sandal, who was their number one guy. And, and then they had, um, they had, uh, um, Terry Stallworth and they had Moreland Wiley. Um, and I think Moreland Wiley, we, in those days we picked like 20 guys, first five, second. I don't think we picked Moreland Wiley. I remember not picking him was a tough thing, but he was like the third or fourth player on a really good team. And those, those I think, really are difficult when you get to a really good team and you're picking their third or fourth guy compared to the number one guys from other teams that were really good, but maybe not mm-hmm. as great as some, somebody like, you know, Long Beach Poly in 1984. So those, those are, those are, those are ones that really stick out. That that, that those guys, oh, we couldn't, we didn't pick that guy, and he was probably one of their guys, and. And sometimes these great teams, their their third or fourth guy might only average ten or twelve points a game, but yeah. at the same time, you know it's a great team and the mm-hmm. guy's a great player. You saw him play a bunch of times, but but you just can't pick someone that averaged ten points a game sometimes. Mm-hmm. And those are very yeah. difficult when you do that. Mark, talk a little bit about the pick we've had to make, and this is me and you talking then in real time. Some of the picks, like. And the last guy, like you said, Morton Wiley went on to play in the NBA. Exactly. He wasn't yeah. the best player. He, he's a guard and he played in the NBA. Stallworth I think it turned was, out to be the best player from that team. Yeah. yeah, Stallworth was a very good player. And obviously, Sandal was like a superstar McDonald's All-American. But talk of, and Ani's interested in this, and we've talked about some of the names. Some of the guys who might play for weak teams, but average or weaker teams than average 25 points a game, or maybe he's being not recruited at the level. Talk about some of the players that the people would know. And and they were like really the last few picks on the team. 
Well, I mean, the ones we talk about the most famously as the last picks were were uh, Damian Lillard from Oakland High. Um, you know, wasn't highly recruited, obviously, goes going to Weber State. It wasn't like he wasn't going anywhere. But he had some explosive games in high school, and there was there were signs that he might be very, very special. And there was enough good games and good performances and, and against good opponents that he was one of the last guys picked in, in his senior year to an all-state yeah. team. Um, and Russell Westbrook was was also, uh, you know, I remember thinking Russell Westbrook had was very good, but it was like, is he really UCLA? Really? Are they going after him? Has he done enough to be, you know, an all-state first-team guy? And at the end of the day, he looked at everything, and yeah, we did pick him. But but it, he wasn't obvious as as you might think at the time. Uh, but a lot of these a lot of these players do get a lot better later on um, than than high school, and and those are two pretty good examples. So someone that was high scoring that maybe we we had a tough time or we we went with and picked. I'm trying to think of somebody who who maybe. Uh, uh, scored a lot of points. I mean, it wasn't obvious Kevin Johnson when he was in high school at Sac High wow. um, was going to be that great of a player because uh, he was kind of like a 6'2 guard, shooting guard, not a point guard at the time, where he became point guard later. But he scored a ton of points, uh, and he was led the state in scoring. And in the end, we, we went with him because of his scoring and, and athleticism. I can remember that was, there were questions about him because he wasn't really a point guard the time and he became a great point guard um and sacramento high was a good team but they weren't great and he he scored a lot definitely scored a very explosive player um and there's a few others but it's hard to 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 really you know dig into it and think of anybody else that that might come up to that level sure sure mark let people know um where you can find your work obviously we have it archived you could a lot of the names we've talked about on this podcast it's all on the website let people know kind of where you can go and then you know, like what you have coming up well i think um i think one of the strengths of our website is our archives and all of our all-state teams go back to the first ones uh, all 43 of them now um that's a lot of years, um, but they're all up there. Um, and I think we're, we're trying to continue to build the archives of our website. If people wanted us to, to go to our website at, at the top of the page on calhisports.com and C-A-L-H-I sports.com, they would find um, links to rankings, all state teams and other honors right at the top of the homepage. And if you, if you go to the, the all state, a drop down, uh, you'll, you'll be able to access all the all state teams, not just in, in, in basketball, but um, all the five sports that we do, uh, which is softball, baseball, uh, football, boys and girls basketball. Um, as exciting as it was to have just picked the all state teams and boys basketball, we're doing the same thing with the girls right now. Um, sure. I'm working on the sophomores. Uh, was working on the sophomores last night um, and I'll work with Harold Aubin much like I work with Ronnie on the boys. Sure. And it was kind of, it was kind of sad because I was working on the sophomores and then I saw a bunch of tweets about uh, Gigi Bryant. It was her birthday. Mm-hmm. And I just started thinking to myself, you know, yeah, we'd be picking her for this right now. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, if yeah. she was still here where well, this is, she'd be on this team. She'd mm-hmm. probably be on this team. 
and yeah. it was kind of sad when you know thinking about that um but now we'll switch to the juniors and switch to the other classes and we'll do the same thing for the girls that we do for the boys and all that stuff all the archives that go back 30 40 years are on the website on you just have to scroll down um and look at all the different all-state teams and it's it's definitely try to make the the history of California in in all these, especially boys and girls basketball, make it stand out. And I think we're I'm very proud of the fact that for from almost all the years, 40 years, we've covered the girls equally with the boys in basketball in terms of the same numbers of kids make all state, the same teams get picked. This is no there's not more boys picked than the girls. There's not more coverage. It's the same. The same thing. The girl, the, the the girls get the same as the boys in terms of, of all the selections and honors. And I think I'm proud of that because we've been doing that for a long time. I mean, in, when we started, we were doing that. So yeah, that, that's one of the things that we're most proud of is is the competitive, uh, the gender equity aspect of the coverage of the boys and the girls, and we do that for basketball. I think strongest of all. That's awesome. Got you. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mark, for the insight. We'll sure. let you know. We got to get back to work. We're going to keep moving on. So appreciate it. Like he said, go to Calhoun.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you for your time. Take care. Thanks, See you, guys. Good luck. Right. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Yeah, you know, Mark is uh, obviously a good friend of mine and a mentor, really. And he, he got, yeah, the first girls team, I think, like, um, and he talks about the girls, obviously. Uh, very funny. Cynthia Cooper wasn't, like, Cheryl Miller got all the attention and, and Cynthia's one year older than her. And I think he's like, man, why did we put Cynthia Cooper on second team and not first team? You know, and like, yeah, it's funny Ooh. because we talked about it and we're like, well, I go look back at it. Very interesting, Chelsea, that back then the, the city school, the Alley City School, then they played in the fall. Mm-hmm. So maybe they didn't get the coverage. You know, the girls then yeah. played in the fall. So they started writing. And the LA City and the rest of the state was playing in the normal winter season. So you had to go back. I'm like, okay, what did she do? Like in October, and the team's being picked in March. And then, you know, you don't have the internet then. You you hear the name. Yeah. You just don't know. So it's crazy how the game has grown. But, like, that's one of the first – when I see one of the first teams, I look at them like, man, Cynthia Cooper's on the second team. I wonder why that. He's like, well, I don't remember. <laughs> but I do, I do like that he was saying how they do the rankings, though, in the present, though. Like, yeah. because – you know, yeah. that's how it's going to keep it fair. Like, you can look right. at a guy and think about what he's going to be and what he right. could be and what he should be or Cynthia Cooper, what yeah. she ended up being. Yeah. But, you know, at that point in time, I think it's it's it, it keeps it very neutral just to yeah. say, okay, you know, this is what he's done lately, not what, yeah. you know, what he's going to do 10 years from now. So I really liked that. And I'm a super fan of just late bloomers. Like, sure. I just know my dad's, he was a coach, um, in uh, Las Vegas for, you know, over 30 some odd years. And he, sure. he always told his players, like, especially when they got discouraged, like, yo, it's, it's, it's better to be good late than early. You see a lot of players that, you know, kind of peak out or, you know, he was the number one player at this time and this time, but sure. okay. Look at the guy who wasn't ranked at all. Who's in the NBA making $10 million now. Yeah. So it, it's all timing. You know, everybody's journey is different, but I think it's really cool. You know, the fact that they have those lists and, you know, that they've gone on for so long. Yeah. Pretty awesome. And that the women get love, too. You know, I'm all about the women. Yeah. So, yeah, um, pretty good. It was dope. And, and funny, honey, just a kind of a side note or antidote. That's kind of how me and Chelsea 
got some men like Harold Ben, the guy who Mark mentioned does the girls coverage. Like he's been gun ho about it a long time. And he met Chelsea. I think she was either working in an event or down at an event. And yeah, I was doing sleeping. the scoreboard and he came yeah. and he sat right next to me. So. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's rambunctious, you know, he, but he's passionate about the girls. And like, he's, he's pretty fair, you know, like, cause I see a lot of guys and I'll be honest. I seen some guys, I think we talked about this before Chelsea, like, especially at a McDonald's game or something like that. And they're, they're fawning over the ones that are just popular. Or even right. the cutest ones, to be honest, to be completely 100% honest. Yeah, like yeah. some of the tension Skylar Diggins got at, at the McDonald's game was clearly because how she looked. Like, right. there was no <laughs> doubt about it. I'm not going to, like, Harold's like, oh, no, Ronnie, oh, this girl's better. You know, like, he's more like about how they are playing as he's as fair as somebody as I know on the girl's side. And obviously, that's not my expertise, but like, he, he's very, very passionate, very good. So they, they'll come out with the girls' all state team. And they've done it, like you said, as long. As, as the boys, and it's pretty funny on that first year they had a state, complete state final in California, it was two, 1982, and like everybody went to see Cheryl Miller. That was really mm-hmm. the draw. It was really yeah. interesting, like, because everybody had heard about her. She had the 101-point game right. or the 100 and what, you know, 105-point game, actually, what it was. And it was just huge news, honey. Like, it was huge news. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, it was huge news. It wasn't like just yeah, but sometimes it's rightfully so, though. I mean, yeah. you know, like, I, I'm not saying that every kid that, you know, yeah. is highly ranked or highly touted, like, you know, doesn't yeah. deserve what they deserve. But I'm yeah. just saying, you know, the little guys, you hear about them. And, you yeah. know, sometimes they turn out to be really, really great. And they didn't start so great. And I think those are the yeah. most realistic uh, yeah. stories that kids can relate to. Like, mm-hmm. how many kids are going to be a LeBron James? Yeah. You know, LeBron was good from start to finish, exceeded all expectations and did this and did that. There's going to be a lot more Damian Lillard's kids that right. maybe weren't highly recruited that had to get in the gym and work and put in the time and then became who they always knew that they could be, but not what yeah. other people knew that they could be. So yeah. I, that's what I like the most about it, because I just feel like, you know, there's a lot more of those stories than the guys that actually just went all the way through and killed it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the couple side notes about those teams is the Damian Lillard thing. Orlando Watkins, his high school coach, came on the In the Paint show. Go back and check it out. And the main thing he said, I said, and on, I want to ask you a question, how, what you think about it for Texas players. I vividly remember going to an event, and I'm like, Oakland High's in it against Silmar. So Silmar had the late Tyler Honeycutt. Mm. Tyler Honeycutt had played at UCLA. He might have played a little bit in the NBA, but Tyler's no longer with us. Yeah, know, he played in Israel too. That's where I met him. Yeah. Tyler, and I said, this is a good game. You know, you got a guy who's a top-level guy, and then you have a guy who's – I wanted to see Damien. And I was like, man, I said, it's just funny like this. You're like, do I really want to – I'm going to get there at 10 a.m. And, and then the main <laughs> game was – Right, game, right. You know, Ani, you've done that. Am I going to make it to the 10 o'clock game or the 9.30 <laughs> game? And it's like the 8 o'clock game was, was Larry Drew. Against Jordan Hamlet, it was Tappers Dominguez, the two big teams. Is That's my class, 2008, right? Yeah. It was yeah, I, I know yeah. Jordan Hamilton. He was in Israel, and I met Larry Drew, too. Yeah, yeah. So it was very interesting. And Orlando Watkins said, Ronnie, all offseason, I was dying to get Damian matched up with Larry so we can play Taft. And he said, we probably would have lost, but I wanted Damian to be able to play against Larry so everybody can see how good this kid is and you know the you know the event operators no that ain't a draw you're, you're gonna be <laughs> right <laughs> you're gonna be in the 10 o'clock game they gotta be in the 8 p.m game and that's how it happened 
Like yeah. that happens to a lot of kids. Those type of things. They fall. Things don't fall the way they want, or they're not in the marquee game. They're in the Augs gym, and it happens. And I remember that event happened. It was at Pepperdine. I vividly remember it. And I went, and you know, I think uh, to be honest, I think Silmar played and and tap. I'm sorry, Silmar and Oakland played at 4:30. But the event started like at two, and you had to get there. There's a lot of traffic on a Friday evening. I just vividly remember it. But Damien played pretty good. And then the the other thing I thought about, and it's on the girls' side, is great players and things like that, is you guys did the um, Hank Gathers passing away at Loyola Marymount. And I don't know if you've seen the 30 for 30s about it. It, 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 it's, it was shocking. Like, oh, my God. Like, you know, because it was local – I mean, it was shocking even if it wasn't here in Southern California. But since it wasn't here in Southern California, at, at a Southern California campus, it was on all the channels. It was everywhere. And then, which I didn't really know at the time, Hank and Bo, they were uh, interns at a local TV station for the for the, for the the sports department, right? Mm-hmm. It was a KTLA Channel 5. The guy who's the, the anchor was a popular anchor. And, dude, he was crying on air when he was telling people what happened. Because he'd known Hank and Bo from the right. summer interns, right? So that was like early March. It was the WCC tournament. And then the next weekend was the state final. Lisa Leslie was playing in it. And it was kind of more of a coronation. They were going to win. They were so dominant. And people heard that Lisa passed, like, fell out or passed out in the hallway. So you know what everybody's thinking. Yeah. Like, it was four or five days after what happened to Hank. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, she passed. You know, oh, my. And then it's not like there's a video camera, cell phone camera of it mm-hmm. like it would be now. It's just word of, like, you're hearing it down the hall. What? There's a commotion. And then people went over there. And I guess she was tired. She just, she was dehydrated. She just was fatigued, tired. yeah. She was being fatigued and tired. And she fell out. Or they, you know, they maybe gave her an IV or whatever they did. But, like, dude, that's just a story that sticks in your mind because you're, like, just of what had transpired. People didn't know what was going on. Like, oh, my God, are a bunch of athletes going to – this is going to happen to a bunch of athletes, you know? So very, very memorable stuff. And like you said, Mark has a bunch of stories we can talk about all day long. But those are a few, and I'm glad he he shared it with us. But, yeah, that 2008 class is so great. I mean, they're they're, they're finishing up their, their NBA career, so many of them, and, and they're so good. So, Avani, have you ever had a guy like that? Or maybe even recent where, like, he just doesn't play on the right team or he's always in, in, in the early game that he became a good college player. Or like you think he's going to be a good college player. Uh, yeah. I mean, right now it's still waiting to see, but I think he'll, he, he was on draft boards like Damian Collins, uh, you know, Atlanta, Texas. And, uh, you know, when he, when he was younger, he was playing on Dallas Mustang. So I remember vividly it was a 9 PM game. They gave uh Mustangs are kind of, were kind of down uh, yeah. that year. And uh, there was this young kid, like goofy, about six seven, but like long yeah. arms, and he was playing hard and everything. And I was, I remember, you know, Alan Branch. I said, yeah. Branch, uh, I think that kid may be young. Like, yeah. uh, you know, who, it's interesting because he just played so hard, and he was trying to block and dunk everything, and you know, just kind of goofy. Then I went up to him; he was a freshman at the time, actually. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was like. I remember when I was writing the article about that night, yeah. I remember, uh, and, and, and I, I joke with Branch about this. I was like, I was going to put his photo on the main page of it. And Branch is like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, put an older guy, put someone, you know, 
like we had like Jordan Phillips, this was 2018 class, like Jordan Phillips, Arcade and Archie and on there. And then don't put Damian Collins <laughs> on there. And so I look at it now, uh, you know, you got a kid that, you know, obviously didn't play a whole lot at Kentucky, but, you know, still someone that NBA he went to Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, McDonald's yeah. All-American. Yeah. Uh, that was one of those games. Where it was like, I did not want to be in the gym at 9 p.m. It was Duncanville Fieldhouse. I was tired <laughs> and uh, kind of just, you know, stumble upon that. There's a couple of kids that had like yeah. just solid college careers that, I mean, you just look at, you go to those early morning games, you kind of stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Texas, it's a lot because, you know, everybody's so focused on the main gym or when this, you got Thanksgiving Hoop Fest, which, you know, that's yeah. that's always a huge event. And uh, what people don't realize, you see a lot of like hidden gems yeah. that aren't playing in the main facility like it was Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth yeah. this past year. But if you go to Duncanville High School Court 3, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you, you you find somebody uh, mm-hmm. that end up having a good low to mid-major career or, you know, a young kid that's probably going to be a four or five star. I mean, you just you see a lot of it in um you know, they don't get the marquee matchups. And then what you realize is, like, I wasn't at Dickies for some of the stuff, but the games that I saw at Duncanville were way better than some of the games I saw at Dickies. Yeah. And that doesn't get talked about. And you still have, I mean, you know, I mean, there was a seven-footer out there on court four. <laughs> you know, that's just raw. That was just raw. But, like, stuff like that, you just see it so much. I have to go through my notes, but, like, Every year, it's always somebody like in the summer, and it's somebody during that fall period in the uh, in the scholastic season that's like, okay, you, you know, he's going to be a divisional mm-hmm. Maybe he goes JUCO because no one really knows about him, right? Or he goes to like you know just a low major school, but you know, then all of a sudden they're like, you know, where, where the hell is this kid? You know, Arnie, what, what's what's up with this kid? Like he's in the portal, he's going high major. You know, who do he play for? Like you know. Uh, high major called me today about a kid that uh from Houston that's transferred from uh Troy, and uh, you know, he's six nine, very skilled, always killed the opponents that he had against him in high school, mm-hmm. but you know, had to go had to go to a mid, and now high majors are calling, so it's it's, it's every year here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then that's why I asked because you're in a huge state where there's a lot of events, and you know, you can't get to everything, and that that was kind of my point. Like, you go to an event and it's 9 a.m. to to you know the final game is 9 p.m or 8 30 p.m and it's am i gonna stay am i gonna leave i'm gonna get there in time is there traffic and mm-hmm. things happen or there's a multiple sites like you said there's multiple venues and that's happened in, in vegas too you might stumble upon a game in like in the summer that's awesome in a side gym i'm sure Chelsea and by the way that. like i have been back in the day probably when i first started i would go to those 8 a.m games now yeah, like, I get somebody to go to those 8 a.m. <laughs> like, I am not going to those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, as I get older, to be honest, like, you get older and your body can't recover. I'm like, I'll make those 8 a.m. games because it gives me a reason just to stay home. You know what I mean? Like, I'm get you. Or like, like, Chelsea has mentioned, like, oh, yeah, you know, Brandon and those guys. I'm thinking about it. Like, a lot of those games I saw, mm-hmm. not much sleep. Compared yeah. to what I would see them at now, like more relaxed, you know, more rested and things like that. It's very funny, but yeah, that 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 story with Brandon was hilarious. Just, the Mars brother was just like, "We don't need him." We don't need him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because Master P at that tournament, 
down at, at, at Ocean View. He kept asking. He was over our shoulders. And me and a couple other scouts, he was like, how many How many does DeMar got? How many does DeMar got? How, every quarter, like, <laughs> got you, bro. Like, Master, Master P's great. He goes in the gym. He, he's low-key. And, and Victorious Miller, obviously, his nephew's one of the better right. players in, in his class in the country. So we'll probably be seeing him in gyms moving mm-hmm. forward. So I want to wrap up with something a little inspirational, um, something that, Chelsea, you saw. And, and there was two events this weekend as we wrap up this in the pain episode. Thanks for everybody staying with us. There was two national all-star games this, this weekend, the, the Iverson classic and the ball dogs are all American game. Um, Chelsea, why don't you talk about the one at the ball dogs is in Las Vegas at spring Valley. I think this is their fourth one. I think it's their third national one and, and just what you saw and uh, your general impressions. Um, it was a great event. This is actually my second time. I think you said it's the third event for Ball Dogs, yeah. but this is actually my second time attending. Sure. Um, last year, it was at Democracy Prep, smaller gym, smaller turnout. But this year, wow, um, incredible turnout. Gym was basically completely sold out. Um, a lot of big names. They end up having a three-point contest, dunk contest, um, and obviously a local game and a national game, uh, both for the boys and the girls. Uh, for me, you know, I honestly had a great time. Um, I really, really came to see Hansel Emanuel. Um, you know, I hear so much about this kid. Um, yeah. And I don't think I there's a kid that I want to succeed more than this kid. Right. I mean, he just has an incredible story. I watch him play and I think he has all the tools and all the intangibles uh, to be a really good player, uh, despite, you know, his limits. And, you know, I just kind of had to see it live. Like when I heard he was in the lineup, I'm like, okay, you know, I've seen enough on ESPN. I want to get there and I want to see for myself. And he uh, was as good as advertised. Um, Another kid that I really enjoyed was a Vegas kid, Tavy Jackson. Um, He's he's kind of flew under the radar. Um, So I was asking people about him because I've heard about him. You know, I see Vegas people post him. Um, And I was asking like, yo, why didn't this kid play for, for Vegas Elite? Like one of our bigger programs you know, get his name out there. But um, apparently his mentor just wanted him to stay kind of low key and local, uh, played for a local team out here um, and just kind of, you know, had a good summer and, you know, got some offers. I believe he's going to Colorado State. Um, But he was certainly a crowd and fan favorite, obviously being a a hometown kid. Everybody was rooting for him. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Colin Chandler, um, kid going to BYU. Uh, I guess he's from Utah. He was in the dunk contest. Very high-flying kid. Um, very fundamentally sound kid. You saw him in the All-Star game, just shooting threes, just playing very poised, very mature game to him. So I liked what I saw from him. Um, a kid I didn't know about, Arterio Morris. Um, shoot, he was putting on a show. He shooting threes like crazy. Made four or five in a row. Crowd's going crazy. Um, everybody really enjoyed him. Uh, but ultimately, Dylan Andrews was the MVP of the game um, from AZ Compass Prep. He had 31. He had like 15 or 17 and a quarter, um, and everybody was pretty impressed with him. But overall, it was a great event, great turnout. A um, couple of familiar faces there. Ron, Art- or Ron Artest or Metal World Peace um, yeah, was uh, one of the judges of the dunk contest. Um, so he was there and it was just a good turnout, a good thing for Vegas. Um, you know, I know the owners of Ball Dogs um, and I'm just proud to see how far they've come, um, you know, how they've grown their business and their brand into something special. And, you know, and, and it's a Vegas thing. So, you know, I'm always going to get behind and support um, and be at those kind of events um, when I'm home and available. So it was good. Yeah, it was a uh, good turnout. You can see that. 
And as you mentioned, I think Ontario had 30 points, six three-pointers in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool. Um, Ani, you know, obviously Hansel played also earlier in the week. So I guess he flew over from Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bart led over to, to Vegas to play in the Baldwin. So, so shout out to him for doing that. There might have been one or two other guys who did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was named the MVP of the Iverson 2 4K Showcase, as was Prince Aligi. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, the kid from Minnesota. So he got in the main game. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like it's pretty competitive. Uh, you know, it's growing in stature. Uh, you know, what did you take of it, the, the highlights you saw, the things you saw of, from the Iverson? You know, obviously, it's more of the same guys that have been in McDonald's and or the Jordan brand. And, you know, like is – is uh I, is is obviously being associated with Allen Iverson has got is really great for the kids. But you know what did you take from the game? And you know, yeah, I got I got to uh, uh, watch it uh, online. Uh, got to see some of the stuff. But I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it was actually fairly competitive. I mean, it was a all star gamey type. But I think it's growing. Uh, definitely, grow. I like the concept of having a game before the main game, and the yeah. top players are able to from the other game go into the top game. I think uh, Terrence Arsenal uh, was able to kind of get get in there. Um, you know, I think I think it was good. Like Hansel, like he's to me, he's better when you see him in person sure. because all they show is the dunks, mm-hmm. but they don't show like the handle. And like, even though people may try to force him to the the, the way yeah. where he doesn't have a hand, you know, or yeah. he's still able to like you not ripping him, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then he's able to get a shot off, like off the dribble. Like, I mean, there's things that he does just with his handle and his shooting. Like, mm-hmm. like it's amazing. I think like obviously he's a freak athlete, right? But like he has a lot of skill to him that's very mm-hmm. impressive. Um, kind of got to see that Keontae George was good, uh, over there or Terry Jose. I know he was outside ball dogs. Um, you know, our, our Terrio, he's, he's that, he's a player. Like when he, especially when he's really comfortable, you let him do what, do his thing. I mean, he just, I mean, he just, he lights it up and he's just mm-hmm. really talented. I think, I mean, him going mm-hmm. to Texas, I mean, he's one of those kids. Like you see him one and done next year. I wouldn't be surprised. He, out of all the kids, I've said this for a long time, and Terrio was a kid that I saw as an eighth grader. He's one of those kids, like, you know, you have Anthony Black, you have Keontae George, you have all those kids yeah. in Texas. So it's like, if he ever gets to his peak, <laughs> like, if he ever gets to, like, his peak, he could be better than all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he 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 he's he's that talented. So I'm glad you got to see him, and I'm glad he showed out over there, uh, Chelsea. Like you know, I, I I like him a lot. But no, the the Iverson Classic was good. It was good. I thought that it was competitive for the most part. It was all star gamey some, but I think it definitely grew from the previous years. And I think it's it's getting to something that you know more and more. Uh, you know, you're going to see more of the four and five stars go to. And I also love the concept of having a game before the uh, the yeah. actual game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so as we wrap up, that was great. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure there's ever been a, as an inspirational player or story as Hanzo in basketball. I can't really think of one offhand. You know, like, he's just that talented and that terrific. I mean, there's no limits now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if he can do what he's doing, I just don't see how another player can make any excuse about anything. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he's that great. Of a story, I, I I can't think of anything. Maybe Spud Webb winning the dunk contest, something like that. But again, he this guy's just awesome. 
Um, so glad he came out. Glad uh, you guys were able to check that stuff out and check those two all-star games out and glad for the fans to tune in to another episode of the in the paint show. I think we're going to wrap up now. Thanks to Mark tennis to come on, talk about some of the all state picks for this year and some of the great stories from yesteryear. Ani, we'll see if any of these guys, how many of these guys make the pros. You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. Yeah. There, somebody's going to make it. I, I believe. I Almost believe. Gonna, somebody's gonna gonna make it. it ain't going to be like 20, uh, 2008, though. No, no. Okay, besides, let's throw out Amari Bailey. Let's just go real quick. Right, we throw out Amari Bailey. He's out of the water. Miles Bird, Donovan Dent, JoJo Hunter, Coquit, Maiden Mahaney, Jared McCain, Jamari Phillips, RJ Smith, and Dustin. Dusty Stromer. Give me two of them. Hang on. Besides them, are give me two. Phillips. Phillips. I like Phillips a lot. Um, Keith is interesting because the size and his like skill. Yeah. You know, he's very interesting. Like he's yeah. one of those kids in college. If you know, yeah. it all puts together. You know, you see guys like that in the NBA. You yeah. know, uh, but Phillips, I, I say about two pros. No, no, no. Ani, okay, I'm going to throw Miles in there because he's San Diego State. He's probably, <laughs> listen, okay, listen, he may not, <laughs> listen, he may not touch the NBA, but San Diego State does have a lot of pros all over. We have yeah. China, we have we have a lot of pros, maybe not yeah. NBA pros. We have Kawhi, who is the pro of the pro. So yeah. we have healthy, healthy Kawhi is top tier. Yeah. But we do have a lot of pros that still actively play and still play overseas. So I'm saying Miles will be a pro from San Diego State, and he is playing somewhere. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, we we we're having fun, and that was the whole point of this this week's pod. We're trying to have a little fun as as the season rolls on. Uh, we're going to the camp season. We're going to the, you know the AU season. And, you know, we thank you guys for tuning in to another episode, 128. We thank you for being those who've been here the whole time. Those that are, please tell your friends, tell basketball fans, you know, let us know, you know, what maybe you want to hear. Drop us a line on Twitter, send us a, a DM, send Chelsea or Anya a DM, send me one. What you want to talk about a topic. Obviously, don't forget, you can use this one-time discount code to get some cool gear at shop.ballslife.com. Free shipping throughout the U.S. It's P-A-I-N-T-1-5. Once again, that's P-A-I-N-T-1-5. Make sure you check out our other podcasts, Nobles and Rouge, Kicks of Your Life, Unapologetic, Buckets and Breakdowns. But for now, me, Ani, and Chelsea are signing off. See you guys. <laughs>